this week on Jordan and Jake. I'm showing my age here. We didn't have the analytics. Obviously, we had all the different percentages and uh, of pressure of this formation, and we were in slot, you know, different things like that. But the probability of conversion on a fourth down or do you go for two at this particular time? Those are things that I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't raised in that world. I had a conversation when David Tepper first got the job. Well, he didn't get the job. He bought the team. But anyways. Here are your Panther Hall of Honor members, Jordan Gross and Jake DeLome. Well, hey, Panther Nation. Jordan Gross here with Jake DeLome for a different episode of Jordan and Jake podcast. Obviously coming on the heels of Ron Rivera being released as the Panthers head coach after almost nine seasons. And uh, Ron Jake is a guy I played for and uh, was a good friend of, and you got to know him well as a friend. But uh, how'd the news come to you, Jake? You texted me right after we started talking about it. Like, what's your thought process on this whole thing, my friend? Well, listen, this is such a um, welcome to the NFL, I guess you could say. And I find I found out about it uh, on an alert from the Panthers app. I'll be very honest. And I think that was the first place to break the news. And I wasn't sure when I left the uh, stadium Sunday night, you know, you just kind of wonder. And I'm flying home that night and I'm thinking and I'm like, okay, will a change be made? Um, You know, at the end of the season, does something happen now? That's what I, I don't know. And just kind of going through my mind and not exactly sure because it wasn't good Sunday. I mean, we're going to have to be truthful here. Um, that wasn't a good look. We, we started out and uh, the first two drives, it seemed too easy. And it looked like the Redskins were going to fold. And uh, we gave them some life with a turnover. And it just, second half wasn't really good. Uh, it, it, no way, shape, or form. We tried to make a comeback and Almost got it in there to have a two-point try to tie it, but it was um, it was just difficult. So uh, now it's like, is this truly a reset button with uh, four games left to play? You know, for these players, what goes through your mind? I, I've never, I luck, I was lucky enough to hang around for fifteen years, and I never had this situation. I'm, I don't think you have you had it either. So. Um, what's it like? Does it inject life uh, in this team? Um, and, and do they respond from it? I, I I don't know. It's there's so many unknowns. And one thing I did like, and because I got texts and calls from people all around, and why did it happen now? And and why didn't they wait till the end of the year and things like that? And you know, listening to Mr. Tepper Tepper's interview, I think he said it. I'm not going behind his back. I was going to make a change. Why not do it now? One, to give us a head start, and two, to give Ron a head start, because it's pretty certain I would think he's going to get a job. It seems that way. And his response was to the effect of, I'm making a change. I don't want to be behind the eight ball, so to speak, and I want Ron, you know, to, if that's what he wants to do, to continue going on to get him, get everything ready for himself. So this is this is – it's difficult. There's no no way to put it. But Jordan, as we know and what we did for a living, you just have to move on. I mean, you have best friends that you're friends with and they get cut in a day's notice and you have to move on or they sign with another team. And that's the sudden 
the suddenness of the NFL, and it's difficult sometimes. No, it's it's crazy difficult. You're right, and I think the head coach is obviously the biggest shakeup you can have. And and before we go any further, though, I, just, I think it's important. I know everybody's heaped praise on Ron of the man he is and everything, but I got to take the time to say just how much I've enjoyed my relationship with him. And when he came in as a first-year head coach coming off of a lockout offseason, we went into training camp that year, Jake, in 2011 with we didn't know anybody. I didn't know my O-line coach. I didn't know the coordinators, really. I didn't know uh, Coach Rivera. I didn't know Cam Newton. I mean, it was a mess, Jake, to go into Spartanburg with four weeks to get ready for an NFL season with all these new pieces. And, he, and Ron, being a first-year head coach, he handled it so well. And he's spoken about my relationship with him as, as, as well as I have. But he, he always sought out the advice of the players didn't always go with their advice, but wanted input from everybody really talked about it being our team. And um, I think our relationship got its best after, uh, unfortunately when his house burnt down, you know, it's a story that a lot of people heard about. He, he and Stephanie's house caught fire from a fireplace uh, in their home and they needed a place to live. But we happened to be just at that same point in time, moving next door in our, so we were at, a, we were at the house that we'd had for years in Charlotte and, we bought the house literally next door. So it was right when Ron's house burnt down, they needed a place to live for like nine months. So I said, well, why don't you guys just move into our old house and we won't sell it. We'll be neighbors. Well, the best thing was Ron and Stephanie are wine collectors, much like yourself, Jake. <laughs> they enjoy a glass of wine. Well, they had this giant, they had a giant uh, stash of wine in their wine cellar at the house that burned down. Now the wine didn't get burnt down, but it all got smoke damage in the cork. Okay. okay, so they had like 500 bottles of wine that needed to be drank within one year or else the smoke would get through the cork and, and the insurance was replacing the entire stock of wine. So damn near every night, Ron would come over. This was after I was done playing. I was working for the team. Ron would come over and we'd drink a bottle of wine on my back patio and talk about the Panthers. It was the greatest nine months of my life, I think, getting to know Ron Rivera like that. Was, uh, plus, I wasn't even like a huge wine person, but I got to drink some really good wine, Jake DeLome, and that probably makes you jealous. I'm very jealous, and I have never heard this story. I have, I am, <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm in amazement. Okay, so that's, that's you're talking right now. You're talking right now to Ron Rivera's landlord, basically, because he had a rental agreement on that <laughs> house and everything. Okay, I didn't know that. Now I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna ask a question to you about Ron, and yeah. what was his greatest trait as a head coach? Because I only knew him as a person, as a gentleman. I did not. I, I never sat in a room with him for a meeting or anything like that. What? Because you've been around only two head coaches, but uh, in the NFL, but in talking to guys and things, what what was Ron's greatest trait as a head coach? Man, um, I'd have to say his consistency. Honestly, I mean he he wore the burden of that job well. He um, was was completely the same person every single day, all the way down to. PowerPoint presentations at every single meeting that the guys would give him a hard time about. But he did things the same way and was dedicated to that uh, routine. Um, and he cared. You, you've heard all the guys say about how much of they appreciate him as a man and off the field. And that's so true, Jake. After uh, the year I took 
when I before we moved back to Idaho, there was one year we were still in Charlotte, and I was not doing TV or radio for the Panthers, and so I was just kind of in town. And Ron would call me from time to time and say, "Can you meet me at seven o'clock in my locker room on a Wednesday in season?" And I said, "Sure." We'd go in there, we'd eat breakfast in his locker room, and he'd just talk to me about what was going on because he he cared so much about everybody in there, needed a kind of an impartial person to bounce some ideas off of. So his investment in the, in the community of the Panthers organization and the people and the players um, was great. And, you know, one thing I heard said this week was about how he had Stephanie and, and Courtney, his daughter around and his dogs so much, because he wanted guys to see what it means to be a father and a husband. And a lot of guys, you know, Jake never even had that opportunity to see that in their home or in the environment they're brought up in. So, uh, consistent in all aspects of his life, and that's what you're looking for in a coach and a friend. So, as you said, I, I, I know he'll be a head coach next year if he wants to be. But talking about him releasing, getting released, uh, getting at this time of year, Jake, you said the timing makes a lot of sense. At first, my reaction was, man, this is brutal with four games to go. But then, when you talk about the analytical side of David Tepper and how he, you know, wants to be the infuse modern football with. Uh, the old school toughness, as he said, he was looking at the standings and yes, technically the Panthers are in the hunt as the 11th seed at five and seven, but the analytics, Jake DeLome say, there's no chance we're making the playoffs. And he went with the numbers just like he wants the football program to go with. So talk about moving forward, Jake, I'd like to talk about the functionality of the team these next four weeks, but the modern football, the analytical side, that wasn't something that was around very much when we were when we were playing. It's really just come on in that term analytics in the last few years. I listened to Scott Turner today uh, or in his press conference from yesterday talk about the analytics, yeah, but you still got to go with what your gut because you only get one shot at that play. Where do you see the analytics in all of this, Jake, and the, ne the next head coach and kind of what the Panthers look like 2020 and on? Well, that's it's obviously becoming something that um, college football and the NFL football is starting to go to. And like you said, uh, I'm showing my age here. We didn't have the analytics uh, side of it. Um, obviously, we had all the different percentages and uh, of pressure of this formation. And we were in slot, it, you know, different things like that, that you prepared as the week went on. But the probability of conversion on a fourth down or do you go for two at this particular time? Those are things that I, I'm not – I don't. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't – I wasn't raised in that world. But that's kind of where we're going to in this, uh, you know, so-called modern day in, in the NFL. Now, the question that I have with analytics, and, and I'm a big believer, and listen, you're going to laugh at me here, and people will probably maybe roll their eyes. But I look at all the statistics and things of that with, with the racehorses, with what we do, with, with the breeding industry. There's numbers out the wazoo. And I factor all that in when I'm deciding to do uh, a mating for certain horses and, and down the line. All those things add up, and I believe in giving myself the best chance, and I go down to percentages on a lot of things like that. And I think that's what kind of football is coming down to. But my question is this. If the analytics say it's fourth down in a game, you're down by this, you're supposed to go for it, but does it factor in, hey, my left tackle is a backup left tackle this week, and he's having a whole lot of trouble. I mean, that's where I think the feel has to come in 
with a head coach or with a coach to, to know that I understand what this says, but we're having trouble blocking this defensive end uh, on this particular, and this is the play that we, we want to go with in this particular set. So there's, I think, still some, some I truly believe there's still some gut feel that's got to be in there. And certain coaches know the pulse of the team and where they're going and who can, can do things. But the numbers say you should um, proceed with this play or you should go for two here. And, and I get it. And, and I think you need to use that. But don't you feel there should be some type of, of feel of pulse of your team? Can we block this guy? Can we, can we uh, have success on this particular play? Well, yeah, Jake, I had a conversation when David Tepper first got the job. Well, he didn't get the job. He bought the team. But anyways, uh, he said he likes in his career on the financial industry, he likes to take calculated risks or smart risks. He said smart risks, right? And analytics, I think, is exactly that. So every time the numbers are favorable, if it's 51%, that might not be a smart risk. Scott Turner, the new offensive coordinator that I want to talk about, today as well he said in his interview that the analytics might tell you that 58 percent chance that you'll convert here well 42 percent might be the better option if as you said your left tackle's banged up or your quarterback broke his thumb and you're just trying to get to the there's other factors surrounding it but if the analytics say if you do this you have a 98 percent chance of winning and if you don't your chance of winning is 62 percent well that would be a smart risk so that the numbers are there, that information's there, and it's very interesting to see it seep into the game. And honestly, Jake, I think like that's the reason that Ron was let go. If you look at Ron's resume, two-time coach of the year, a fifteen and one season, Super Bowl appearance, three-time, th you know, three in a row division wins, that's what you want your head coach to have. But I think it's not a difference of can they get along? Because obviously Mr. Tepper and Ron have a great relationship. It's the styles. And so I expect the head coach search to be somebody who has the analytical side of the game already in how they do things moving forward. What, what about you? I, I think you're exactly right. And I think that's where it's going. And listening to Mr. Tepper in the interview, he wants somebody with the processes in place and it certainly sounds like it, he wants more of an innovative offensive type of, of mind. That's kind of what it, it, it was leading to, leading towards. And I'm like you, listening to Scott, and, and I, I know we keep on bringing his name up. I'm anxious to see if this offense is, is called any different or plays a little bit different. Now, understand, there is some issues up front on the offensive line. Um, with the tackles being banged up the majority of the year, losing a, a Greg Van Roten and things like that. I do get it. But I was like you. I listened to Scott's interview, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, he, there's going to be some different things that he will call and maybe some fresh ideas, something a little bit new. And I'm not saying what Norv did was wrong because I would have given anything to play for Norv. I think Norv is awesome, and I just I love the way he calls the game. But I'm anxious to see if there is something that's different, which might help us in these next four games, because it is something new and teams have not prepared for that and are not ready for that. And it does break code. It does break tendencies. So um, that's this is a new wave. You know, the new offensive coordinator, the new young guy, the Sean McVay, the Kyle Shanahan, that type of bunch. And then you also have. Zach Taylor up in Cincinnati, he's from that new wave, and obviously things are not going well for them. So it, there's going to be a fine line on, on what direction he goes to on a head coach. 
and how much this you, coach uses the analytics and what his belief is. Right. You'd have to think, though, Scott, I mean, I, one, one thing I wrote down in my notes for today, auditions, right? So, like, the rest of this season is an audition. It's an audition potentially for Perry Fuel. It's an audition for the players on the roster. But Scott Turner, if he wants to be offense coordinator, which you know he does, he he can't just call a conservative game. He's got to take the opportunity to put some some sexiness out there on the field, you know, convert con conversions well, and some new right. things, put his stamp on it. Absolutely. And the thing about it when in when the big picture is what is there to lose? I mean, right. what is there to lose right now? There's nothing to lose. So the, I'll you, tell you what. No, I'll you, tell you, you what there is to lose. Aggressive. I'll tell you what there is to lose. Christian McCaffrey, right? So that's the other thing. Like, well. <laughs> if you know, if you know the organization is saying we're moving on to next year and beyond, right? Do you consider Jake? And this is it's. I I know what I think, but do you rest some people that are franchise caliber players this year and beyond? Do you put in some younger guys to get them more reps to try to really get a good evaluation of your roster? Where do you go, Jake? Jordan, you're stabbing me in the heart with this question. Because <laughs> I know, but we got to ask it, Jake. We got to ask it. I, I understand. But listen, if you're a competitor, you want to yep. play. I understand. But the risk of getting hurt, listen, Teddy Bridgewater had a horrific knee injury at a practice, a, yep. a, a practice where he was not hit. So, I, and I, I do understand a game, this, it's violent and you can get injuries. I, I get that. I understand. But I do know certain coaches, let's, I'm going to kind of change the subject on you here. John Fox, he took over a 1-15 football team after the 2001 season. Do you know what is the first thing he did when he was named the head coach of the Carolina Panthers? He uh, went back he and he tape. watched the video of the last game of the season when nothing was to be had. The team had nothing to play for. Everyone knew George Seifert was going to be fired. And he wanted to see who is playing and giving their all. Because he said, if there's somebody on there, a so-called starter, that was just trying to get through the game, I don't want him on my team. So right. I think there's a fine line, Jordan. And I understand protecting, you know, uh, some of the young superstars. I, I, I get it. And you want to play some young guys. But, man, these games, there's only 16 of them. This is not like there's 82 in basketball and 160-plus and in baseball. I, I'm, I'm a, that, that, that tugs at my heart pretty strong. Well, and I will say this. The analytics, there's no numbers on – the feeling going into an off season winning on a roll or ending on a roll right so you want the play the players Agreed. that you Agreed. have you want the organization to have some mojo going into the off season with the possibility of a rebuild or you know and, and obviously a new head coach i'm with you jake i think for at least the next few weeks maybe the last week of the year you make a decision but you give it you, you put all your weapons out there because you still want to win the game. You want to send that message that winning is important to the organization as the owner. Uh, all right. Schedule-wise, though, how, how's this work? Jake, imagine – I never went to this either. I, I went – John Fox got fired at the end of the year in um, 2010s, right? So we never had a time of an interim head coach. These guys were notified. The team, the staff, was notified on Tuesday that the head coach was fired. 
Wednesday, they're in there having a game plan for a game against the Falcons, Jake. They brought Norv to the assistant head coach role because he's been a head coach a number of times. Perry's been an interim head coach before. The structure, you can't change it much, right, Jake? Like you got your procedures and you got the way that the Panthers have done things under Ron Rivera. More or less, you got to carry that forward. Is that right? Yeah, you, you would have to carry some, some of that forward. Now, Coach Fuel, what, I mean, he might have something that in his mind he's always said, hey, I loved when we did this at practice. I love, uh, I used to prefer when maybe this was our schedule the day before a game or we did this the night before. There's, they can't be wholesale changes. I would doubt that happens. Uh, but there's going to be some tweaks where he's going to put his stamp on it, albeit for four weeks. But still, he's going to do something a little bit different because everybody's, everybody's. Um, I guess they have a heightened sense of awareness. You always do, but especially right now, I mean, you're these players. They're auditioning themselves for a new coach next year, so they're going to want to have on film something pretty darn good for the whoever it may be that comes in. You so, and there's a sense of pride in there that these guys going to want to make sure they have good footage of themselves uh, leading into the offseason. Right. All right. So the game, there are games left to be played. And we'd be remiss to not talk about the Falcons, Jake. I'm calling the game this week. Head out tomorrow to Atlanta. You were there for the 3-29 to loss a few weeks ago. What are you thinking it's going to look like in Atlanta on Sunday? Well, hopefully it doesn't look like that. <laughs> um, hey, listen, Atlanta came off their bye, and they played two gr great games in a row. They went to New Orleans, played faster than New Orleans. New Orleans laid an egg and just jumped on them, controlled the clock, controlled the ball, and beat them. Won the turnover battle, sacked Drew Brees six times. Then they came to Carolina, same thing against us. We had a ton of turnovers. Uh, they got after Kyle, sacked Kyle, in essence, basically with a four-man rush. And they just they made some plays on offense. Calvin Ridley had a good game early on. Julio Jones had a couple of big catches along the way. And Matt Ryan just played keep away. So Atlanta came back down to earth last week. Um, and they played the Saints, and they really didn't play the Saints that well. The Saints beat them. Atlanta had, like, two onside kicks they recovered back-to-back, -back, got some cheap points at the end. So it's a team that's a little bit rested, and now they're, they're fighting for their lives. The head coach, we all know he's on a very, very, you know, hot seat in Atlanta. And so they, they're fighting. So it's two teams that they're kind of backed up in the corner. And if you don't come out swinging, you're going to get embarrassed or you're going to get beat. So it's a division game, a rivalry game. And we felt, we meaning the Panthers, we were embarrassed the last time we played them. And Atlanta's mindset, hey, this is the same team we played only a couple of weeks ago. We jumped on them. We got after them good. We're going to do the same thing this week. So, um, listen, hopefully we could get a win. I think that would kind of – get get a little bit momentum as we're heading down the stretch because uh as a player you don't like to look ahead but as a radio analyst you can the seahawks <laughs> are coming in then you have to go to indy and then the new orleans saints which they might be going for home field advantage at that point in the season uh so it's uh it doesn't get easy to say to the least but it starts with the one right in front of you and that's atlanta yeah, you're right. I think we got to control our turnovers. One, more than one will that's, cost that's us the game, the in my that's, opinion. That's yeah, the more key. Than one, that's the we key gotta for play, us. 
we got to play tight football, and I expect our defense to come with a little bit of a fire under them as uh, their head coach, the defensive guy, was just released, a little bit of a tribute game. So I think we'll come out of this one okay with less than two turnovers. But, Jake, analytics are a thing of the future for the Carolina Panthers, and with you and I being employees of the Carolina Panthers, the numbers say our podcast is running too long and the average viewer is tuning out. So with that – I'm signing off, man. What a week. I can't wait to talk about what next week looks like with you. And uh, have a good weekend. Say hi to the girls. I'll take care of business in Atlanta, Jake DeLome. Yeah, please take care of business because for whatever reason, I, I, I'm struggling with taking care of business. I thought I brought the A game to New Orleans. It just wasn't quite good enough. And uh, so please please give a little uh, a little light. Uh, uh, as always, I'm here to protect you, Jake. I'm, I'm here to protect you. Thank oh, you. Don't worry about Thank it. I'll you. get it done. Thank All right, brother. See you. Bye. <laughs>